Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Popular Culture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Woke, and today we'll be talking to Dr. Johannes Schmidt about his new book, Frames and Framing in Documentary Comics. Published in 2021 with Palgrave Macmillan Studies in Comics and Graphic Novels series. Dr. Johannes Schmidt is a postdoctoral researcher at Europa Universität in Flensburg, Germany, and associate editor at American Studies, a quarterly, the official journal of the German Society for American Studies. His other recent publications include Shooting Pictures, Drawing Blood, the Photographic Image, and the Graphic War Memoir from 2016. Dr. Schmidt's new book considers documentary comics in relation to framing, that is, both the strategic use of communication to encourage a particular interpretation of a scenario, or secondarily, the process of structuring a representation or portions of it by situating it within certain boundaries, in the case of comics, a panel, or a page, for example. Dr. Schmidt combines theories of framing analysis and cognitive narratology with comic studies, focusing on the medium's visual frames and engaging in a broader discussion about facts and journalism in the current age of fake news and post-truth politics. After laying out its theoretical foundation, the book tackles the subject by dividing it up into material framing, visual framing, and narrative framing. Frames and Framing in Documentary Comics approaches the topic through three categories. The material framing, which focuses on elements like paratext, the visual framing like the physical panels or the narrative framing of the visual plane, and narrative framing of storytelling, narrative structures, and the position of the author. Dr. Schmidt finishes by tackling some tricky issues about digital media and the intersection between journalistic practice and documentary comics. This book argues that, quote, the exact relationship between the various framings that inform the reading process eludes exact classification. Various cognitive frames on a spectrum from generic to specific inform the interpretation of every single moment in the story. Journalistic framing essentially categorizes reported events already in the way they are transmitted, 
But comics, with its rigid visual frames, frustrates the desire to clearly categorize as a documentary form, serving as an important reminder that medial simplification does not equal historical simplicity. In this interview, Dr. Schmidt talks about how war photography led him into documentary comics, dives deeper into the role of the author, and speaks about issues to consider when consuming documentary comics in the mainstream. So, Dr. Johannes Schmidt, thank you for joining me today on the show. Johannes, could you please start off by saying a little bit about your academic journey and how you came to work on this topic? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so I basically had had a moment um, when I was planning to do my BA thesis on video games um, that I um, sort of lost the supervisor I actually wanted to work with because he left the university and I um, came to Astrid Burger, um, who uh, does comic studies, and I asked her, would you be uh, comfortable with me writing a, a thesis about video games? And she was like, well, as a comics researcher, I totally approve. And I was like, like, wow, as a comics researcher, that's something you can you know, do as a professor of literature. That's so cool. And uh, yeah, for, um, during my MA, I did a lot of um, comics studies things well, whenever I had the chance and uh, ended up working for and with Astrid uh, later on in, in my um, PhD project, in, in a research project on uh, framing and translation and uh, different media. So um, I, yeah, I had the chance. I'm very happy to also be able to call myself a comics researcher now. Uh, and fun fact, that, that video game BA thesis was also about Batman, uh, Batman Arkham City, a video game on PlayStation. Um, so I also did something about superheroes once in my life, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've always been fascinated with uh, nonfiction and also like um, questions of representation, re representing what is not easily sayable, showable, and and how um, media find ways around that to sort of uh, say what cannot be said, to, to represent the unrepresentable, be it in, in fiction, something like post-apocalyptic post fiction, uh, but also in documentary, um, which really gets interesting when you show something uh, or sort of express something um, that cannot be easily put into words. And what was the the turning point that shifted your attention away from Batman to documentary comics? That's actually a great question. Um, as you know, when 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 I approached Astrid about this topic, I already had sort of and you know a very clear path forward in mind. So I I did that thesis, but uh, you know I my my MA then still followed. So I. Um, did classes with her on comics. So it's it's really something, I've always liked comics, but it's really something that is a product out of my education at the University of Hamburg, where I had the chance to to work with uh, someone who is a, you know, uh, renowned comic scholar, uh, Astrid Burger, and um, she really inspired me and also mentored me. Um, that certainly made all the difference. 
All right. So I'd love to turn now and uh, into the nitty gritty of this uh, book you wrote on frames and framing and specifically on these documentary comics and how complex they get. So in your text, you say uh, that cartoonists, uh, so the illustrators of these comics, may choose not only what they draw, but how they draw. And you were mentioning some things being sayable or not sayable or showable, not showable. So how does this complicate the documentary mode of these comics? So uh, first of all, the, the fact that they can um, choose what they draw is, of course, already for most people a uh, sort of red flag when it comes to documentary, which is... Uh, um, by and large, a recording-based um, medium. So, I mean, technical recording like like we're doing now, right? So you have to get, have some kind of um, um, mechanical, digital, physical evidence uh, that, that sort of uh, shows uh, what quote-unquote reality has been like at a particular moment in time, whereas uh, documentary comics... Uh, is a retrospective medium, so you can always go back and redo it and uh, and choose to to represent something uh, a, a particular moment in time that happened uh, differently. And you can not only choose the 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 angle or the the sort of constellation of 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 people portrayed, um, the the graphic style. So you so you can uh, choose to put, uh, portray someone very cartoonishly. Or very realistically, and that can totally change how a uh, um, particular scene is perceived. I would argue, um, and that's uh, something that I think also raises a lot of skepticism with comics. So th that that gives you a lot of power to 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 say, well, I um, uh, you know, can draw you in a weird way, or I can sort of uh, choose whether I include that or not. Whereas if you if you're a documentary photographer, you might only have uh, a couple of seconds to snap a particular image, um, and then you need to run, per perhaps. So the the sort of element of chances. Um, taken out at least uh, uh, out of the mediatization pro um, process, the sort of research, the investigation, still subject to chance. But uh, you know, the, the whole putting it on the page on the, as the final product—that's something where um, artists have a lot of freedom that they can use in, in ways that uh, they see fit to um, represent the the issue that they want to represent. Do you have any examples of this that stand out to you uh, where either artistic choice to include or exclude uh, slightly changes the scene or how we might see it? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, in, in, in some cases, Joe Sacco um, chooses to portray particular people rather um Opportunistically, expressively, uh, um, for instance, in the fixer when he de um, depicts those uh, wall dogs, they they are portrayed in in a way that's not photorealistic at all, and which creates such a great contrast to to his sort of environmental depictions and, and cityscapes and and so on, but also other um, you know uh, people he, that, that that he draws, or in in a safe area Gorashka, there's a uh, 
depiction of Bill Clinton, which has this massive frown on, on, on his face, where you, you really feel like, okay, here, um, Psycho is taking a stand, a political stand, um, and comments by uh, by the way he he uses graphic style on on uh, on history and this way inserts his his you know particular take there, um, but I'm I'm sure that uh, cartoonists uh, including Sacco put a lot of thought into at what point they they deem that appropriate and and at what point they don't and the same really I mean Bill Clinton will as an American president. Uh, has a lot of responsibility and it's sort of I think appropriate to to, um, to criticize uh, someone in a position of power uh, and similarly with these wars that he um, he includes there is uh, certainly uh, a sort of maybe even um, necessity to to take a stand when you talk about crimes against humanity to sort of condemn them and graphic style is is a way to do that. Another example would be, I mean, I mean when, when we um, we talk about uh, Palestine and Israel, uh, there is always the question from whose side you experience something like uh, a um, border um, post or something like that, a, um, oh, what's it called, where you pass the border. Um, checkpoint. Yeah, if you if you if if in in um it's in Gaza, there's a scene where you see Sacco approaching a, a checkpoint from inside a car coming from Palestine, and you have a very subjective, um, human-like perspective looking up at the um the sort of border checkpoint, which is very imposing. You you could draw this uh, from a, a different perspective, and it would um be a very different uh, scene. So the sort of uh, the, the the gaze um, that is represented is certainly something that uh, tells a completely different story if you um, uh, would change it. Yeah, those are great examples. Thank you. Um, and while you were preparing the book, you had the chance to consult directly with some of the artists you talk about in your book. So how did speaking with Sarah Glidden and Joe Sacco directly change your thinking on the subject? In, in in both cases it was very much uh you know chance meetings um i i had the the um the uh, well chance to to talk to joe sacco in amsterdam and i think 2018 and it's i mean it's it's always really interesting to uh hear their um their take of things and also to to see um to just experience them as people and not like like in three dimensions not in in two like you would uh, normally do um, and sometimes they will confirm some takes you have on their work, and, and other times they will also draw your attention to something different. So um, I uh, met Sarah Glidden in, in Hamburg when she was doing a reading, and it was actually kind of funny because my friend uh, Eula and I went to a pizza place before we went to that reading, and at some point... Uh, Sarah Glynn just walked in alone and apparently she had just been given money to get pizza there as her sort of her uh her food for the for, for the evening. And um so I was like awkwardly uh you know raising up my copy of Rolling Blackhouse and well, is that you? And and she came over and we had pizza and and talked a little. And I mean that was there was pretty cool. Uh and one thing that I um for instance remember is that 
my personal experience of, of her work and her uh, linear Claire style was always this rather abstract and not super photorealistic. However, she herself was re really very much uh, inclined uh, towards seeing that as very realistic what she does. And she, um, I believe, um, rests a lot of her realism on color and her use of color. And that's also something that not every uh, documentary uh, comics artist even includes. But she, she and it, that, that really was something that I hadn't really thought about that much, but like, hearing her being rather passionate about the fact that she puts a lot of time into choosing the right colors to make realistic uh, depictions was something that, um, that really helped me to get a more complete understanding. But also something, uh, another encounter earlier uh, that, that really shaped my way to think uh, about these things was uh, I did my my MA thesis uh, on photography in uh, comics. So it's, it's been published with a German uh, kind of publisher. It's called Shooting Pictures, Drawing Blood, the Photographic Image and the Graphic War Memoir. And um, although I did not talk about that particular artist or book, I had the chance while I was doing that to speak with uh, German uh, comics artist Reinhard Kleist, who has done a lot of uh, historical and biographical works. And he had just published uh, his work, um, The Boxer, about uh, a uh, Holocaust survivor um, called Halsko Haft, and who, um, well, uh, um, yeah, we had a very interesting life, a very complicated life, uh, and uh, Anna Kleist did, did this uh, biographical comic about him um, and included a paratext in the end, uh, where, which also includes a photograph of him. And I had all these sort of lofty theories about uh, visual culture and photography and so on in mind. And I approached him saying, like, why did you include a photograph um, in your comic? And he was like, what are you talking about? I want people to know that the guy was real. I don't need to include that in my um, biography of uh, Fidel Castro. Everyone knows it's real, but I want people to know that Hatzkaff was real. And I was a, a little taken aback. I mean, yeah, of course, that makes so much sense because we can, we can of course, talk about uh, photography not being sort of what it's made up to be in terms of, of uh, sort of evidence um, function. However, for you know, a non-academic audience, the having a photograph, even even in a comic, is something that will always be important. So uh, that that was also um, eye-opening for for me in that moment. Yeah, and to build on that, uh, if I may, you say that uh, the unique feat, and I'm quoting here, of documentary comics is their capacity to unravel and yet patently employ framing practices to challenge the political status quo and medial conventions that perpetuate it. This recalls to mind the Bill Clinton illustration, but also the inclusion of the photograph of the boxer there. Could you please elaborate on how documentary comics achieve this? So um, the uh, works that I've been looking at are these long-form graphic narratives, um, graphic narrative books uh, that in, um, more, I, I think, all cases I've, I've looked at um, have this layer of, 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 of narrative that is very 
matter that really um, looks at journalism and representation in documentary per se, but also at comics and uh, always sort of actively reflects on what the the comics artist uh, is doing, but also what other media are doing. So um, with Sarah Glidden, for instance, it's uh, the sort of mantra, what is journalism that permeates um, rolling blackouts. Joe Sacco famously sort of bashes CNN. And um, well, in uh, Jerusalem by uh, Gita Leal, it's uh, really uh, his sort of uh, point that he's, he's saying, I'm not doing a documentary. I'm not a journalist. This is just autobiographical. I can do whatever I want. It's just my personal opinion, uh, which I don't buy, um, which I to some degree feel obliged to respect, but which I don't always buy because he he documents stuff that's happening and that's important. And um, so, but the awareness, even if you deny documentary responsibility, you're making your readers aware of the fact that this has ethical implications and that choices are being made and um, that uh, the way that mainstream media uh, might uh, talk about the, uh, this uh, would be different than what they're setting out to do. But those, uh, um, you know, uh, writers and artists, uh, and in, in this way, they of course also draw attention to their choices and um, sort of um, invite a scrutiny for themselves that they sort of criticize in others. And uh, you will have. Uh, oftentimes stories uh, or story segments in, in these works that complicate moments of, uh, you know, documentation where it's hard to actually find out what the, what the truth is. So um, footnotes in Gaza would uh, again come to mind where, where uh, there are witness accounts that don't add up. Uh, there are also uh, similar moments in, in, in virtually all of these works that I've been looking at where, uh, you know, it's not the sort of um, pure factual truth that is depicted, but, but rather um, sort of moments of doubt as well, and also including um, testimony that shows how people are traumatized and may not actually be able to um, to tell the truth for, for one reason or another, which is also interesting. But in this way, um, by calling up all these sort of, uh, you know, implications of doubt uh, towards media representations, uh, documentary comics uh, always include this meta story, which uh, helps readers sort of to, um, yeah, develop a healthy portion of doubt towards all kind of uh, media representations. And at the same time, they're still doing their work, right? They're still publishing um, documentary comics. So they, um, the, 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 this is not really just uh, to say, um, well, there's no truth out there. It doesn't matter. And uh, who cares? It's, it's really about, it's really about saying, depicting the truth is complicated and it's something that uh, routinely eludes the 24 hours news cycle uh, but it's worthwhile pursuing and uh, it's worthwhile to be honest about what you can do but, but what you cannot do um, so yeah that 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 would be um, my uh, 
my fascination with documentary comics really sort of try to to do both at the same time and sometimes it works very well and I feel like my my job as as researcher isn't just cheerleading them but also to 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 say well in some cases it doesn't work so well so of course this point that you can criticize uh, a lot of things but still do your thing is a problem that um, you know merits discussion. I feel like so um, that would certainly be uh, one, uh, yeah, one 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 problem that that I also find very interesting with documentary comics. And you're touching on a, a few examples here, but uh, could you give us a better idea of what are some of the ethical choices that comics creators are making when they set about making a documentary comic? Well, um, I mean, there, there, there are so many. First of all, what are you talking about? What 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 is important? So many of these works deal with uh, conflicts, crises, but also perspectives on conflicts and crises that have been overlooked. And um, when they say, "I want to talk to." Um, Palestinians to, to um, um, Native uh, Canadians. I, I want to talk to to refugees. That's something that uh, not a lot of mainstream media have been doing. And uh, so the, the, this sort of the first ethical question: What you know demands attention? And whereas uh, you know um, conventional journalism and documentary is rather fast paced, I would uh, think doing a graphic narrative um, book that is documentary, but also, uh, you know, fictional, that takes years. So they, they certainly have to be sure that um, they uh, want to um, represent a particular point of view. And then it's, of course, the question of, of who, who they are talking to and um, how they de depict their, um, their point of view. And here, this sort of um, well, post-colonial core question uh, by Gayatri Spivak: Can the subaltern speak? Is is also something that extends to um, not only speaking for these uh, witnesses, interview partners, and so on, but also drawing their um, experiences in, in in many cases. So it it is uh, something that uh, will uh, take a lot of trust and um also a lot of um sort of i don't know um I, I, it, it takes uh, they, they walk a fine line i think to convince readers that, that that's okay that they're doing what they're doing that they're speaking for these uh these people that um more or less don't have a voice uh, of their own um and then there's also the question of inserting themselves into these narratives so um, when you look at the, the, the works of Joe Sacker, I think you can see his own uh, avatar continuously receding into the background from the rather autobiographical Palestine to his latest paying the land, where he's rather absent, where he uh, sort, of, uh, sort of makes way uh, and to 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 give uh, indigenous voices or um, you know witnesses more room, um, quite literally on the page. Uh, that 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 is uh, so, certainly something where you can see also something evolving. So 
I could go on. There, there are of course more more choices uh, uh, and more uh, ethics to to concern uh, to be concerned with. Yet, I think that the core question is then how do you, how do you speak for others? How do you depict the experiences of others? And um, how, how do you deal with the fact that you are also part of this? Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. It, it is indeed a large topic. Uh, and thank you for giving a small window into at least some of the concerns there. You uh, also mention in your book a unique phenomenon that you've noted that individual moments in comics often, you say, overflow dynamically into forming a new whole. Could you please tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I'm certainly not, not the first one to notice that. So people like Hilary Shoot, um, uh, Charles Hatfield, and of course, uh, Barry Gernstein have, have, have theorized comics in that way. Uh, but I feel like for, for documentary comics, there's a particular um, urgency to do that. It's uh, because what separates documentary comics from other documentary media is the fact that you always, or almost always see multiple images at the same time. So it's not a cartoon, uh, it, uh, which is just one panel. And even if you have something like a splash page, which is rare, I think, um, you will always have uh, context for these uh, pictures. And um, these uh, th this kind of context for the single picture um, is sort of the, um, the the unique comics way to to um, enhance the complexity to to not you know say this one image defines a conflict which photography sometimes does and sometimes with uh, merit sometimes not so much but uh, sh showing um, that every single moment is in a context and this context can be changed this uh this can be complicated two things can be true at the same time right that's uh something that i uh, feel like again um builds on the, on the on this sort of uh impetus for the whole genre to to show the complexity of of video representation and this is the, um, I mean, cart cartooning, handmade images, uh, and so on, the, the abstraction of the cartoon image as, as opposed to uh, completely realistic uh, or naturalistic uh, depictions is the one thing, but I think the, the fact that you see everything in 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 grids and in, in, in sequences um is oftentimes used to, to make readers aware of the fact that uh, no single um, moment on, or, or no single um, sort of 
days is enough to to you know uh, have an informed understanding of a conflict or crisis. Agreed. And uh, as you're talking about all of these complex pieces of information that create our final impression of a topic. Um, I have to say in the conference circuit and just in general, I've seen that you've really activated the context uh, concept of paratext uh, in scholarly discussions. We've enjoyed uh, building on that topic quite substantially. Could you please explain what paratext is in the context of documentary comics and why it's special here? Well, uh, the the um, term paratext has been coined by uh, narratorist Gérard Genette, and it basically um, refers to well everything that is adjacent or connected to a particular narrative, and um, I'm using it rather loosely by referring to uh, the those texts that are physically uh, connected to the texts. Um, Jeanette used it as more uh, in a even more complex way, including sort of everything that is the whole discourse about a particular artifact that is out there, which makes it really complicated. But um, I'm looking at mostly the physical thing um, that is a book, uh, that is a, a, a medial artifact. And I think one definition that Jeanette uh, introduces is basically all the sort of adjacent materials that make a, a narrative um, sort of into a an, an artifact that is uh, that you can read. So you need some physical container, uh, and this physical container uh, includes uh, a book cover, which in comics is uh, almost always uh, some kind of drawing uh, that already primes you to understand uh, what is going on there, uh, the, the title, and 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 so on. So these all activate um, thought patterns uh, in our minds that we then will want to see confirmed in the uh, um, book we're about to read. And uh, this, um, I think, goes back to, to what I've been seeing earlier, that, is that in, 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 in comics, there's not just one singular image that defines a conflict, but it's embedded into all these layers uh, of information that shape our understanding of, of, of this. And this um, certainly starts with the paratext and all the, you know, little blurbs and testimonies and, of course, prefaces and afterwards um, that, uh, you know, all guide the reader to, to a particular understanding of, of uh, the um, narrative in question. So um, what I also find really interesting is that of course, uh, as I said, comics takes a lot of time and effort to produce, and oftentimes a uh, a forward would be something that can be written after the, the the actual narrative is produced, and it's always also a retrospective on the process on on what has been going on in the time uh, that has elapsed since. So um, there are different different medial affordances. And then there's something like photography, for instance, and so on. There are different authors. Sometimes the publisher will include something that uh, slightly contradicts what's going on in the narrative and so on, just to, to sell books, which is fair, right? 
And there's the question of uh, barcodes and, and, and sort of uh, instructions to, to librarians and, and, and booksellers. Um, is this, you know, to be grouped under the tag graphic novel or is this history? Is it, uh, is it current events? Where will I find this in the, in the bookshelf, on the bookshelf? So that's something that these, uh, you know, easily overlooked smaller um, addenda um, do. And, and perform for the text. And that's uh, something that I, I feel like that really shapes the the understanding of, of the documentary comics texts. And for the audio format, I would like our listeners to know that as Johannes is speaking about that, he is picking <laughs> up the very heavy volume and playing with the heft of this book in yeah. his hand. It is indeed Sacco. Uh, could you please... Uh, tell us uh, about the book you have here that you immediately grabbed it uh, speaking about the topic. Yeah, I mean, the materiality of, of, of the printed book certainly also uh, has, has a function here. And it, uh, I think the the um, authenticity and the um, sort of our capacity to trust seconds enhanced by the sort of you know literal weight of the of the volume then in uh footnotes in gaza is certainly the book uh the, um, in documentary uh graphic narratives that it is has the largest um apparatus of paratext so we have uh i think 20 pages of of, of interviews in the end and then and appendices and and so on so um the, the the sort of gesture to to um to include all these additional materials which i'm quite sure many people won't read because it's it's a lot but simply showing i have included i have done this uh, you know academically by the book so to speak uh, and uh that uh, is something that i i feel like that shapes our uh you know reading in that we it makes a trust uh psycho more Agreed. Uh, and turning now to when we're thinking about the wider audience, uh, how these are getting more and more exponentially popular um, with the rise of documentary comics and journalistic comics, what would you like the wider public to be aware of when reading these works? So um, first of all, I think it's great when these uh, these works, this sort of form gets more recognition and more uh, readers. I think um the, the whole um, meta-journalistic, meta-documentary element that, that I've been so interested in is something that really takes a lot of time. And um, I really like that a lot of very prestigious uh, newspapers have included, continue to include uh, graphic journalism. But these are usually short-form versions thereof, so I can only hope that people will also pick up the, the books and, and invest the time to to read them and to, to really look at them and not just, you know, rush through them because that, that's sort of where it gets really interesting. And, um, well, apart from that, I, I would, you know, just be happy that people take the time and not even just to, to read comics, but also to to just reflect on on, on uh, you know all the the media um, that we uh, const constantly consume in our everyday life uh, in this day and age. And um, what I always wonder is, uh, you know, people that pick up a you know 
happy book uh, like footnotes in gaza they they uh, i mean unless they they're taking a class with with uh, someone like, like us they uh, how how do you uh, how far down the rabbit hole do you have to be to be actually interested in that um uh, so that you how much is this sort of preaching to the converted but um at the same time i feel i i can only hope that people you know, take uh, the the chance and do do and invest the effort to sort of understand how our representation works and how uh, how conflicts are shaped uh, and and evolve over you know years and and what the sort of the history behind that is and uh, appreciate the complexity, which um, I very much understand is something that we're faced with. Uh, constantly with a lot of complexity uh, uh, and, and yet to, to sort of invest your um, intention into something um, that is trying to get to the bottom of, of, of a limited issue is something that I feel helps in, in also with your own peace of mind, even if it upsets you at first, but it's sort of helps to get a better understanding uh, as opposed to, you know, the the terror of, of seeing one headline or it's tweet or whatever. Um, is it called, still called tweet? I don't know. Um, who cares? Uh, you know, I mean, I feel like, uh, uh, I feel very weird saying that, but I, I think it's also great to just you know, turn off your, your screens uh, and pick up a documentary comic book to, to learn something about the world. Uh, that uh, you know you you might not have uh, in a shorter form. And in your book, you covered uh, framing from the visual to the textual to the material, and really extensive uh, coverage of the topic. But uh, there is surely not enough space for everything. Uh, have your ideas evolved at all? Uh, is there any point that you feel like you didn't have enough space in the book to explore that you would like to explore mm -hmm. further now? I, I um, have certainly um, many ideas in mind what, what I would like to do. So um, the uh, there are constantly um, new books coming out, and that that sort of extend the the expand the genre and and what is being done, and also the challenge. Maybe uh, some of the assumptions that I uh, I have made. Uh, for sure, other forms of comics, uh, like web comics and uh, more multimedial um, um, sort of products, artifacts would be something I'd be, I'd be very interested in. Uh, but I feel like the, um, the um, newly are well newly arising topics like for instance the invasion of ukraine by russia is something that um immediately has been um well accompanied by comics um documentations of that and this is something i will uh talk about uh, next month uh, at a small workshop at the University of Basel, which I'm very much looking forward to. So um, to just see that uh, comics is sort of a part of, of our, um, you know, constantly evolving media uh, environment globally is, you know, uh, yeah, 
uh, already basically enough to to give, give give all of us plenty of work to to do uh, uh, in the foreseeable future. But also um, is is uh, I think I, um, something that is really worthwhile to to follow up on. And on that note, what are you working on now or what projects are you excited about? Right. So um, be, beyond that uh, uh, workshop, something that I have been dealing with after I published my book uh, is actually history, history in, 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 in comics, which uh, was something that I had never actively planned to do which which sort of evolved with a different collaborations and which has really sparked my my interest and uh so i've always been interested and I continue to be interested in uh, non-fiction but uh uh the sort of difference that a uh sort of journalistic approach to, which uh allows you to um travel to a particular region and investigate um uh, in, in entails uh, as opposed to uh, the historical approach is also something that I would really like to, to get into more deeply. Uh, the other thing, though, is that uh, since I'm, um, well, uh, in American studies in Germany, what is expected of me is to sort of change uh, media, change um, the epoch uh, so i i have been dealing with uh, visual culture in the present so i also need to do something historical so uh right now i'm i'm looking at uh early republic uh, criminal narratives uh and uh that's also really fun uh however um not really um connected to comics which i'm i'm afraid is also how the system works here for better or worse, but I certainly continue to be very interested in, in, in comics, um, documentary and historical. All right. So, uh, Dr. Johanna Schmidt, thank you for your time and insights into frames and framing in documentary comics. It was so great to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.